You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, class, take your seats. I said take your seats. Class, sit. I swear you're all acting like a bunch of animals. Pet Life Radio presents Teacher's Pet, where you'll learn how to understand and communicate with your pet and train them to be the best pet they can be. It's time to see the world from your pet's point of view. So give a tail-wagging welcome to your Teacher's Pet host on PetLifeRadio.com. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Hi, welcome to Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. This is Pia Slavani, Director of Training and Behavior at St. Hubert's Animal Welfare Center in Madison, New Jersey, and your host. I'd like to welcome this week's special guest, Jacqueline Fahey. Actually, Jackie and I work together at St. Hubert, so I'm thrilled to be chatting with her on, on a different venue. Jackie is the Director of Animal Welfare Services at St. Hubert's. With over 30 years' experience in handling and testing dogs, Jackie is going to talk to us today about the importance of testing animals before they're put up for adoption. The goal of all shelters should be to put dogs in what we call forever homes, knowing that they'll be happy, healthy, well taken care of, and exhibit little or no behavioral problems, hopefully. The majority of dogs that are relinquished to shelters and studies have been done on this is the result of behavior problems. So when we adopt dogs out with problems, the burden is now put on the new owners, and the dog may be a potential dangerous dog to society as well. And is that fair? Well, if you hold on, I'm going to take a short break to hear from our sponsors. Jackie's going to tell us. So don't go away. Okay, class, grab your tuna flakes, biscuits, and bones. Teacher's pet will be back in two shakes of a tail right after recess. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to teacherspetsessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Salvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. TeachersPetSessions.com Pet Life Radio presents Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Step into the supernatural world of pets with your paranormal pet's ghostly host, Dusty Rainbolt, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.
Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, class, hang up your collars and leashes. Teacher's Pet is back in session. Now park yourselves on the floor. I said park, not bark. Okay, Teacher's Pet. Pay attention. There may be a quiz later. Welcome back. This is Pia Silvani, host of Teacher's Pet and Pet Life Radio. I'd like to welcome our special guest today, Jacqueline Fahey, who's going to be talking to us about the importance of temperament testing in shelters and rescue dogs. Hi, Jackie. How are you? Hi, Pia. How are you? Good. Fine. Good, good, good. I think as you and I both have talked about this many, 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 many times, and we've also tested dogs together, and we completely agree that it's important. But before we start on the temperament testing, um, let's start off with the most common reason why people relinquish dogs to shelters and how possibly we could avoid that problem from continuing. Well, um, with the recent downturn economically in the United States, um, we're finding more and more uh, people are turning dogs in because they have, they're moving to a smaller living space. Um, that's not necessarily anything behavioral, um, but normally it would be um, either soiling, aggression, barking. Um, the dog gets too big. Those are some of the common causes. Yeah, and these are problems that probably can be prevented if they seek help. Don't you agree? Absolutely. And when they do call, we try to have a small interview with them on the phone and give them uh, resources. Um, Very often we suggest that they call the dog training school and speak to one of the trainers down there at St. Hubert's. Um, uh, But I think by the time people are calling with a lot of these problems, they have come to the end of their rope and they no longer want to try. Yeah, and that's that's unfortunate. It, it's we probably need to get the word out there that there there is a place to get help and not to be so quick to relinquish. Jack, explain to our audience what temperament testing is and and the importance of testing animals before they go out for adoption. And I know that's a huge question, so let's break it down into categories. First, when you test a dog, you test for sociability. So tell the audience how that's tested and what you're looking for. Okay. Actually, when we're testing a dog, sociability, I would say, is the most important factor in kind of getting an idea of how the dog's going to do with the rest of the test. Um, If a dog is social, um, their chances of biting or their... They are probably not going to bite. They view you as a a good resource as a human being rather than just another object in the room. So we really look for sociability. And with a dog that shows no sociability, um, we actually don't do certain parts of the temperament evaluation because they are much more likely to bite. So the first thing we do is do a cage observation. You approach the cage. Don't say anything to the dog. Um and just see if he comes to the front of the cage, whether he jumps up, whether he's in the back of the cage growling, um, and you make note of that. Uh, you walk into the testing room with the dog on a leash. There should be another person in there observing and a person writing. And you just hold onto the leash, a, a semi-short leash, and see if the dog pays any attention to you. And the dog should pay attention to you. He's been locked in a cage. You should be the first resource that he should be looking for, some attention. Um, so you do that for several minutes. If he's not paying any attention to you, give him a quick pet on the back and see if you get a response, and then another pet along his back and see if you get a response. And we're making notes of this all the way along. And you'll sit on a chair 
see if the dog approaches you and observe that as well. You want a nice, soft approach, not a dog that's jumping up on you, mouthing you. And then you kind of love the dog up and, uh, and see how he reacts to that. Now, a lot of people say, well, my dog's social, and maybe professionals take a look at it, and we say no. So describe to the average pet person exactly, like from a body language standpoint, what you're looking for as sociable. Yeah, I've, I've heard people say, oh, my dog's social, um, and to someone that's trained, uh, the dog isn't social at all. You're going to look for um, what's called a soft eye a relaxed kind of an eye, um, a wiggly body, um, relaxed kind of body. The tail should be either level and wagging or maybe even down a little bit if the dog's a little shyer. They're going to approach you kind of a little hesitantly, not jumping up in your face or mouthing you. They'll make eye contact and then look away. Uh, Yeah, you want to see a dog that's going to be approaching you in a soft way. Okay, that's clear to them um, versus a dog, like you said, that's jumping and grabbing at your body parts and and clothing. Yeah, and obviously growling or or hiding in a corner or whatever, that's absolutely not good, yeah. Right. Now, say a dog, though, is – say the dog is jumping up and he's just – he has just gotten out of the kennel run, and he's just thrilled with life and jumping all over you. Can we still consider that social? Yes, yes. Um, and we do a, another uh, evaluation on each of our dogs called the Meet Your Match evaluation. And you'll have social, friendly dogs that will fit into three categories of either purple, orange, or green. Uh, purple being like couch potato, probably a dog that will just come and sit right by you. Orange being a dog that may come over and like lean against you and expect attention, and a green who will be like jumping on you, but in a friendly way, just seeking attention, probably needs some uh, training, some basic training. And then, then you try to match that dog up with the right owner, correct? Yes, they actually get a little um, color-coded card on their cage with a little description. Each of the three per, of color categories has uh, three different um, descriptions of dogs and uh, then when people come in they fill out a short survey and they also are color-coded and we send them back into the into the kennel and uh, that way they know exactly what they're going to get when they pick that dog there are no surprises when they the dog home and we have found right, that this right. has cut back on our returns immensely immensely i think we only had four, maybe four or five dogs return to the shelter last year and it used to be up to 25 30 that's fabulous. Fabulous. Good. So it's an important key that people should probably incorporate that. And that's Meet Your Match program, correct? That's right, yeah. All right. Next, an important factor, of course, is the possibility that a dog might bite over some kind of a resource. So how is this tested? And do you feel some situations can be worked with while others can't? You know, For example, food. During our testing, we test with um, three different resources, the first being a toy, and we toss it around and observe the dog while the dog is on a leash to see where it goes with the toy. Does it go and hide underneath furniture? Does it turn its back to you and um, hover over the toy? Does it growl when you um, attempt to go near the toy with the assessor hand? After that, as long as the dog isn't biting at the hand, we then throw down a pig's ear, which is a, a high-value resource. And we do we watch the same thing to see what the dog does with the pig's ear and what it does when we approach it with the assessor hand. And then finally with the food, we do we put the bowl of food down, let the dog start eating the food, and uh, then approach it with the assessor hand as well. 
And if a dog comes out of the bowl or off of one of the other two resources and is snapping through the air and biting at the hand, um, it's normally not placed for adoption uh, because people can say, well, I don't, I'm not in the same room with the dog when I feed or I won't give it any pig's ears. But you can never be sure that a visitor in your home will follow the same directions and we don't want anyone to be bitten. However, if you have a dog and you put the food down or the pig's ear down and it gives a little grumble or turns to one side or goes and hides underneath a piece of furniture, we will work with the dog. Uh, we do what's called flooding, and we'll um, after we clean the cage in the morning, we'll throw in about six pig's ears if they're having a problem with the pig's ears, or we'll keep their food bowl full uh, 24 hours a day so that the resource loses a lot of its impact on the dog's behavior. And we'll do that for about two weeks and then retest. Okay, and haven't you found, I know when we brought up um, the Katrina dogs, they were so malnutrition and they, they were skinny, and couldn't that have something to do with it as well? Um, you know, the dog is just simply starving. Absolutely, and and that also happens with litters of puppies. When oh. Dogs in from other shelters, if they haven't been getting enough food in their big bowl or there's too many of them at one bowl, they will uh, fight over the food. So, um, yeah, we'll try to separate them if we can and feed them separately and test them separately so that we can determine whether it is something innate in the dog or whether um, it can be worked with. Okay, and for those people out there, I know you mentioned the assessor hand. Many people might not know what that is. Can you just explain to the audience what that looks like? Yeah, it's, uh, it came out years ago. I remember seeing it around Halloween and people would hang them out of the back of their trunks. It looks like <laughs> a plastic hand with a sleeve and then it's attached to a long stick. So it looks like a human hand, but um, it prevents um, the people who are doing the testing from being injured in, in case the dog does decide to bite. Which is smart. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, because I have seen some dogs um, do, rip the hand off of the stick and then not let go of the hand, so it would be really frightening if it was someone's actual hand. Right, right. I've also heard some people say, well, they know it's not a real hand, so how accurate can that be? What have you told people when they've said that? Well, um, a hand itself is more for our ability to um, kind of recognize the fact that, of what we're doing with the object that's approaching the bowl. In other words, it's not the hand itself that the dog is annoyed at. It is someone or something taking away its food. So it really doesn't matter what shape the object is. I've told... Uh, other shelters that I've gone down to um, to teach temperament evaluating, if they don't have the assessor hand, we just use um, the, the end of a broom or a pointer or something like that trying to take the food away. And if the dog's going to be aggressive, you'll, you'll get the same results. Right, right, yeah. I've seen that too with uh, pet dogs that I've tested. It, it doesn't really matter what you put in there. It's just don't go near me when I have my resource. Absolutely. Um, handling is another key factor. I mean, which and why is this important to, to be tested? Well, uh, the dog is going to have to be going to the veterinarian's office, and people are going to want to be kissing and hugging the dog, especially if you have children. They're going to want to be, you know, laying on the dog and playing with his ears and maybe playing dress-up. So uh, we hold their feet, and uh, most of this is all most of the time observed while we're prepping the animal for adoption. The people who are animal um, preppers are also our adoption counselors. So while they're prepping them, they'll see how the dog reacts to having its nails cut, to having its ears cleaned, um, to a teeth exam, 
Uh, we go along the back and uh, down the tail to see how the dog reacts to that because that's going to be something that the dog's going to be exposed to once it gets into a home. So it's important that we know that it's not going to uh, try to bite someone. And also part of the uh, temperament evaluating is what's called a safe hug where you go in um, above the dog's shoulders and with your head turned away and um, hug the dog and then quickly move away. And you see how the dog reacts to that too because children have a tendency to just want to hug dogs and we don't mm-hmm. want anyone to be bitten in the face. Right, right. right. Yes, it is, <laughs> definitely. I mean, there are shelters around the country and around the world, actually, that house animals for longer periods of time. If they are temperament testing or if they're thinking about temperament testing, how often do you think they should be tested when they are housed? I know it's very hard because all shelters are are overworked and very busy. Uh, We usually give the dog three days to settle in when they first come in, either from being uh, surrendered or from another shelter. But um, after after those three days... And we try to get back to the dog every 10 days, but at least every two weeks to have the dog retested because there's so much stress in the environment of a shelter that the dog can change. And uh, some dogs, some breeds do not handle the stress very well and they lose their ability to self-calm. And you'll find that they may become dog aggressive when they weren't at first or more protective of their cage, uh, which they weren't when they first came into the shelter. So retesting is very, very important. Yeah, that's a great point that you bring up, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, We're just going to take a short break to hear from our sponsors, so don't go away, and we'll continue on with the conversation. We'll be right back. Okay, class, grab your tuna flakes, biscuits, and bones. Teacher's pet will be back in two shakes of a tail, right after recess. Give your dog some thought with Dog Thoughts. It's the iPhone application that everyone's talking about. What do you think of this? A man in Davis, California says he's invented an application for the iPhone that claims it can read your dog's mind. No, it's true. I read about it on my cat's Twitter page. Jay Leno talked about it, CBS reported on it, and now you can see what all the buzz is about. Created just for dog lovers, Dog Thoughts makes taking photos of your furry best friend more fun. Shake your dog and read his mind. On your iPhone, of course. Take a pic of your pup, shake your phone, and watch as his thoughts appear on the screen. Does he have a bone to pick with you, or is he having a tail-wagging day? Get your Dog Thoughts iPhone app today. Just 99 cents. Go to PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. That's PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in paparazzi, candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. 
Ladies and gentlemen, Pet Life Radio proudly presents DSPN, the Dog Sports and Performance Network. Get ready to unleash the dog sports enthusiast in all of us. From ski drawing and mushing to racing, agility, and competition. This is the place to learn all about the dog sports and activities that you can do with your furry best friend and canine competitor. So get ready for game time. DSPN with your host, Lori Williams. Every week, on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, class, hang up your collars and leashes. Teacher's Pet is back in session. Now park yourselves on the floor. I said park, not bark. Ugh. Okay, Teacher's Pet. Pay attention. There may be a quiz later. Welcome back to Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. This is Pia Silvani, your host, and joining us today is a colleague of mine, Jackie Fahey, who's the Director of Animal Welfare Services at St. Hubert's, where I am the Director of, of Training and Behavior. Jackie, St. Hubert's is very involved in shelter outreach, and we love this program. Can you explain to our audience uh, what this entails and what you look for when you're bringing in dogs from other shelters to our shelter and how that maybe other shelters can start this program? Okay, um, this is uh, by far one of the most important things that I do in my position. Um, most of the dogs in our areas where the shelters are, we have two shelters, one in North Branch and, and as you said, one in Madison. Um, our areas are nice areas. Most people, I would say 99% of the people have their animals spayed and neutered and therefore we really don't get very many puppies in. Uh, people keep their dogs, they work with their dogs if there's a problem, so we don't get that many surrenders either. So what we have is uh, shelter outreach. We form shelter partnerships with um, overcrowded shelters um, that have a high euthanasia rate, high intake rate. Some of them will get 75 to 100 dogs um, in a day because of uh, no staying and neutering in their area for whatever reason. Um, and we take the dogs to prevent them being euthanized. Um, when I develop a partnership with one of these shelters, I try to go to the shelter itself and teach the uh, people in the shelter had to do a temperament evaluation so that the dog doesn't go through coming all the way up here and going through all that stress and then doesn't pass our temperament evaluation. So I try to go down, uh, show them how to do that, and then when we fill out some paperwork, um, they send me pictures of the dogs, and I pick out some dogs, and they're sent up here, and they find their homes. Wonderful. So there are many shelters around the country that are euthanizing because of space, correct? Yes, there are, especially in the South. Um, I think it might be for economic reasons, but um, they have a, a horrible problem with um, overcrowding. And as a matter of fact, next week we're um, expecting between 35 and 40 dogs from the Humane Society of South Mississippi. Uh, and that'll just make mm. a small dent in their available dogs down there. Yeah, and didn't you tell me that some of these shelters actually take in close to 75 dogs a day? Yes, between 75, sometimes 100 dogs a day. Uh, that's in Mississippi, Alabama, but actually um, we deal with a shelter in West Virginia, um, and they sometimes get 75 to 100 a day as well. A lot of puppies, and people in these rural areas very often have their dogs tied out 
in the backyard. No one's spayed and neutered, so and there's a lot of running at large. So they get puppies upon puppies upon puppies, and they're mm, lovely dogs. But the they're dogs nice. are having fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're lovely, mystery <laughs> dogs too. Absolutely lovely. Um, a lot of hound mixes, lab mixes, a lot of hunting dogs from the south and the west. Great. Now, are there any risks in bringing dogs in from other states, other shelters? Well, we. Um, Sometimes if they're doing a different temperament evaluation or if you have staff that really isn't trained in doing temperament evaluations, we may get a dog that won't pass our temperament evaluation. Um, but physically, uh, medically, they are required to have a um, certificate of health from a veterinarian 24 hours before they leave the state or the country. And they're required to have rabies shots. And I, I require them to have at least two distemper shots before they come up here so it doesn't put my kennel at risk. So uh, the risks of bringing dogs in, in from other shelters, I think, is minimal. Um, that everyone pretty much has the same diseases. If we have more Lyme disease up here than they do down south, they may have a little bit more leptospirosis or heartworm. Um, but they do test for heartworm before the dogs come up here. Okay. All right. You've also done a tremendous job in educating other shelters around the country, um, including Puerto Rico. I really, I'd love for you to talk to the audience about what you've done and the, and especially with regard to Puerto Rico, the problems that they've had and what, what you've accomplished down there. Um, many of our listeners might not be familiar with this. Oh, Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico, we started about four years ago taking dogs from Puerto Rico um, after I received an email from uh, my now friend, Liz Cracked. Uh, she had been down to a Yabucoa Beach, which is nicknamed Dead Dog Beach. Um, there were about 300 dogs running around down there. No one was spayed or neutered. There were puppies. There were dogs with three legs, dogs with hot oil burned on them, dogs with broken legs for being run over. And they were reaching out to shelters to see if they could start an outreach program from down there. Um, I started taking dogs, and up to, to date, I think we've taken almost a thousand dogs. Um, we have been down there working with the government, trying to get spay neuter involved in the, on the island, and uh, more harsh uh, restrictions and penalties when people do uh, are cruel to animals. Uh, but it's a very tedious, long process dealing with the government. So we're still trying. Um, Elizabeth McCorkle, the president, has been down with me um, on several occasions, and we've actually um, had the, our humane education program, Make Kindness Contagious, translated into Spanish, and it's now being used in the schools. Fabulous. Yeah, a friend of mine uh, who is a rescue organizer came up and took the Animal Control Officers Corps here in New Jersey, uh, received her certificate, and applied to the government for a $20,000 grant uh, to start a program to start training um, animal control officers on the island as well. So it's baby steps, but we're getting there. Yeah, you've done a really, really nice job with that. You should be oh, proud of yourself. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the dogs are wonderful. They have probably 20 or 30 different breeds all mixed into one little dog. Uh, we, we call them short stuff. Uh, they usually have <laughs> all little legs, um, maybe a little chihuahua, a little dachshund, very few large dogs down there. And um, they're called sapos. And nobody, none of the Puerto Rican people want them. They only like purebred dogs. So they have a 98 oh. to 99% euthanasia rate down there. Um, when you walk your dog into a shelter in Puerto Rico, unless it's eight weeks old, it goes immediately in the back and is, and is euthanized. Oh, I, w- I was not aware of that. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Horrible. 
Well, if somebody is interested in uh, obviously uh, adopting a dog, I, many people are not aware that temperament testing exists. So what might be some key questions that people should ask if they're going into a shelter or if they're going to a rescue group to look for a dog? Which te- temperament test they do, whether it's a safer or a pet or a home homemade one, you know, that the shelter is made up itself. How did the dog perform on that test? Um, did they test with uh, how the dog is with children, how the dog is with other dogs, how the dog is with cats? And I would probably go to a shelter that you're sure is doing a temperament evaluation. That's um, very, very important because a dog can appear to be very, very nice and when pushed may become aggressive and you don't want to take the dog home and have someone in your family or your other pet um, be injured. So definitely ask which temperament evaluation and make sure there is a temperament evaluation done. Yeah, so it is important to ask questions because I know many times since I'm on the opposite side of this, I work with pet owners with their behavior problems. When they have gone to shelters or rescue groups, they said, oh, I didn't even think about asking. So it's important that they do ask questions, correct? Absolutely. Most people who are in the shelter field have a tendency to think that all dogs are good. All dogs mm-hmm. are wonderful. And um, after doing this for this many years, I know that there are some dogs that just don't like people and um, they shouldn't be placed in a home. Yeah, but a lot of people mm-hmm. feel that, that every dog um, is placeable. So you have to ask your rescue group how they feel about that, whether they feel every dog is um, adoptable. Because that's a good point. There also, yeah. So when people are looking at dogs then visually, what should they be looking for in a dog when they say, ooh, that dog is, is cute, I want to see that dog? What should body language should they be looking for? Well, and what should they avoid, I guess? <laughs> right. You don't want a dog who pays no attention to you when you come up to the cage, whether it's hiding in its bed, it's got its back to you, uh, just standing in the far end of the cage. Um, you don't want a dog who is being what we call cage aggressive, which means he's up on the cage, uh, he's vertical in the cage, and he's growling or barking at you, staring directly at you. Um, and you want to see how they react when you walk by with your child. Um, are they really intent on barking and growling at the child? Uh, you want a dog who's going to be like gently up at the front of the cage, maybe being vertical, you know, maybe up on the cage door, but like looking, seeking attention, and again with the soft eyes, and uh, a dog that looks healthy naturally. And what not to go for? A dog that's growling at you in the back of the cage um, or hiding. Um, it may have some um, sociability problems that you're going to have to deal with for a long time. Um, most of the time, we try to deal with um, shy dogs like that by putting them out in foster care for at least two to three weeks, and they'll come back generally much better. Okay. And once, say, they see this dog now and the dog has shown signs of sociability and they want the dog to be removed from the cage and they go into a room now to visit with the dog, what should they be looking for at this point and where are the red flags also when they're out of the cage? Okay, I think the most important thing I can say is if you have children, always take them with you. Um, you definitely want to see how the dog is going to react with the children. If you have another dog, I would take your dog with you as well because um, I know that we require that we see the two dogs meet each other. We don't want um, to have a mismatch there either. 
I, if you do have children in the room, you want to see the dog paying more attention to the children than to the adults. Um, if a dog is going to go with children, you'll see it immediately, and you don't want the dog to be attached to one of the adults, get home, and then the dog gets protective of the adult and is aggressive towards the children. So that's a really important thing. You want to see more attention to the children than to the adults. Uh, you want to see the dog approaching you for uh, enjoying touch, wanting to be touched, um, not hiding behind furniture. Um, you want to see him bring his toys over to you and look for some interaction with you. And again, you don't want to see a dog who goes over and hides in one corner or who pays no attention to you whatsoever. You want a dog who wants to be around you. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, I think that all of this is so important. The more I think we can educate the general public about asking questions and knowing what to look for, then we can get these dogs into what we call forever homes then. Don't you agree? Absolutely. And if you go to a good shelter, they'll take their time with you. Um, it should take about an hour to do an adoption. They, they should give you plenty of chances to uh, play with the dog and, and observe how everyone's getting along. And if you go to, to a reputable shelter, I, I think you'll come home and be very happy with whomever you decide to adopt. Great, great. Well, I'm going to give a little plug for St. Hubert's because we're in the middle of our second phase of our capital campaign to build a new building. And if you'll visit our website, you can see where make donations for that new building so we can do more work for shelters, not only around the country, but around the world if possible. So unfortunately, we're out of time. Thank you for joining us, Jackie. I really appreciate it. And if you'd like... Sure. If you'd like to learn more about shelter work, please visit our website, which is sthuberts.org. That's S-T-H-U-B-E-R-T-S dot org. Next week, we're going to have a very special training session, which I'm not going to tell you about right now. It's a surprise. But a special thanks to our producers for making this show happen. Also, if you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future shows, you can always email me at Pia at PetLifeRadio.com. So, until next time, this is Pia signing off. Thank you, Jackie, and thank you for your interest in Pet Life Radio. Bye. School's in session on Pet Life Radio with Teacher's Pet. Learn how to communicate with your pet, train your pet, and see the world from your pet's point of view. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Teacher's Pet, only on PetLifeRadio.com.